If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by Koen Bioma Law PLLC is 100% native owned and operated, founded by Vern Koen Bioma. Their practice areas include corporate law, business transactions, finance, economic development, gaming, casino development, online gaming, real estate, environmental permitting and approvals, telecommunications, government affairs, employment and labor relations, historic preservation and cultural resources, and energy. Koen Bioma Law is committed to making positive and lasting change in our community. Communities as they support nonprofit volunteering, community activism, and employing Indian preference in hiring and vendor relations. are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I am your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me, as always, is the five-star, five-diamond sauce boy, Carl. <laughs> you know, on Facebook, um, I made a, re- a remark on there, and uh, it had four stars on there well, when you were saying five stars. so on, on Facebook, there was a post that depicted you as... Uh, <laughs> A as, tiny head <laughs> and, and less, that's a, less that's than a good goom, looking. That's a Goomba. And what was, you never watch Mario? What, what was funny about it was that it was one of our most liked posts in recent memory. Yeah. And it was one of you. You were actually the one that shared it of you making fun of yourself. So I, I thought that was pretty, pretty neat. You know, I got received all these hate messages because people thought I was picking on you again. Yeah. When in yeah. fact, it was... You throwing that stuff out there, making fun of yourself. So you got hate. You got hate messages because hate they messages love me. They love me all, all the, the time. time because of you. And <laughs> I don't understand because, you know, I'm sure that I'm not the only one that you annoy out there in podcast land. And so I, I'm just re- reacting accordingly. And so I don't understand why people think that that's such a bad thing. So. <laughs> Because they love me more. They they heart me all the time. It's that heart. It's that love. Well, we're back. Yeah. We're back from, from uh, another week of grinding and doing our best impressions of trying to be Hopi. There was actually a dance again over the weekend out in my wife's village out at Kitlotsumovi uh, Village. So there I was doing my best Satani impression and, you know, trying to <laughs> do good for my wife's family while they had their ceremony. And it, you know what's interesting? Cause we do have a topic today and it somewhat is related to the topic of health. Yeah. But yeah, because thinking over the weekend, I probably gained like 20 pounds over the weekend because you know that when we have our dances, you're eating breakfast, yeah. you're eating lunch, yeah. you're eating dinner and then you're snacking in between. And we've mentioned this, quite a bit that our diets are, are aren't the best diets. And, yeah. But then just thinking over the weekend of all the, the, the delicious Nova that we <laughs> ate, all of the Nekwivi, all of the, my, my daughter, she has this thing she calls uh, spaghetti, tikiwe spaghetti. It's uh, the special spaghetti that you eat on tikiwe because it seems like it's always in abundance in each household. <laughs> she, <laughs> she went and she made like a whole roaster's worth of spaghetti. And so I was stuffed with spaghetti from over the weekend and other types of uh, good food. You know, um, along with the lines of food and stuff like that, Hopis love tacos. They, I mean, like they love tacos. They're not good at making tacos, but they love, <laughs> they love tacos for some reason. Every household, especially when I go to my sister's house, my soul's house, you know, they always have tacos, you know, in the pan or in like the the styrofoam bowls and stuff like that. And they give it to you and it's all soggy sometimes. And it's all just basically it's just ground beef and whatever they can find in the in the bottom of the kitchen or the, the, uh, the you know, the refrigerator. 
you know, like how the Eskimos, or I think they're called Inuits, yeah. out in Alaska, they have like seven, dif- seven different words for snow or something. Yeah. It depicts Hopis could probably develop seven <laughs> different words for in Hopi for the various tacos that you get because they're not all the same. Sometimes you have some that are deep fried, like the, I guess the corn flour yeah. tortilla yeah. shell. And there's always hamburger in there, but sometimes the cheese is melted. Sometimes the cheese is not melted. <laughs> sometimes there's lettuce in there yeah. with tomatoes. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes you get the hard shell tacos. Some, sometimes they make it a week in advance and then they <laughs> give it to you. And you know, <laughs> you know that's, that's the thing that happens sometimes is that they make it about a week advance. And, you know, that's... <laughs> And then sometimes it comes with alpato or sometimes yeah, it comes with you're, the paste. You're, you're, trying, <laughs> you're, trying, you're trying to make it um, taste good, but it all tastes the same sometimes where it's very bland. You know, it's like that bland tacos. I, I just, just a disclaimer, Carl is speaking about all of my sister's tacos. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not talking all about All of no, my no, no, no. tacos, that, that's, that's five star, they, five diamond level. They, 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 they use like all kinds of different sequies. <laughs> there's like chicken tacos, pork tacos. I think like carnitas, there, there's one like that. And ones that are street level street. tacos. I think that's what they call them, street all, tacos. All my and, sisters use, um, you know, roadkill meats that... <laughs> They usually just bring in all those those coyote girls. Well, as much as we enjoy talking about tacos, but we are back this week and we do have a topic today. We do have a special guest today. We actually are welcoming back a previous guest. And then we also have a special introduction of a new team member who has joined the CJ Podcast brand. But before we get to that, I actually do have another shout out that I'd like to uh, do. We do have a special new member of our 30-pack circle of givers. And the reason why I am bringing this individual up is because they had a special request. They said that, you know, I really like you guys. Yeah. I really like your podcast. I don't know about Carl so much, you know, because, you know, he he talks like a real-life bubble boy. But he said that, I'm going to give you guys some money. And if I give you guys some money when you give me a shout out, I'd like to be addressed in this way. Okay. And so I'd like to give a big shout out to our newest contributor of the 30 pack circle of giver. And so I'd like to give a shout out to these nuts. <laughs> All right, cool. Is that a, is that a brand from uh planters, uh, planters, uh, peanuts? Well, you know, the funny thing, <laughs> the funny thing, is that, you know, my, my youngest daughter, she's about 10 years old right now, but when she was five, that these nuts was a favorite terminology of hers Yeah, because she learned it from her older sisters. Yeah. And so anytime you tried to talk to her and you'd be like, Mano, guess what? And her response would always be these nuts <laughs> coming from a five-year-old. And so you see how our Hopi children treat their siblings but anyway from uh oh my god our last episode in our last episode we did mention that we do have a new member and so we would like to welcome our newest member aj to the cj podcast team hello everyone nice to meet you my name is aj nikwatiwa I am from the village of Hotvela, and I am from the Badger and Butterfly Clan. I am 25 years old. I have been away from the reservation for quite a while now, and I have been back recently for the past six months, and I'm very glad to be joining the team. I hope that we can make a lot of progress here. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I mean, it's a pleasure pleasure having somebody back into the office here and i actually did want to ask aj before before she uh, goes back to her marketing duties because we are talking about the indian health services today we're talking about ihs and so aj what's your favorite ihs story i think mine i think of my own personally is probably the first time i had to get my uh knee knee put back in place after I hyperextended it was probably the worst experience ever. Um, This Bahana doctor tried to talk me um, calmly through the whole thing. 
And when he figured out he couldn't put my knee back in right, he was the one who needed calming down by all the nurses. <laughs> and that was probably the funniest thing ever because then the nurses who were Hopi had to take over for the Bahana guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a great story. And so I like to thank AJ and welcoming her to the team. And so all of the imagery that you do see on our social medias, and we do have a surprise. We do have a surprise. Guess what, Carl? What? The Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast is now on TikTok. Really? We have a TikTok. What are we going to do? The What was it? The Backpack Boy? Remember that shuffle thing? We're, we're, we're going to get Carl to do uh, the Soulless Boy dance. <laughs> and whenever we develop that, that, that's something that you'll be able to see. But now you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm very happy to report that our Twitter is active again. And then now we are on TikTok and you can find us on all four platforms at Carl and J-Man. So how do you work TikTok? I'm, I've been wondering, how do you find like videos on TikTok? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I, I mean, I because I assume like there'd be a search, yeah. search window or something yeah. where you start clicking things. But I, I didn't find that. There's probably that somewhere in there somewhere. And so I don't know. I mean, the, that, that, that's what AJ's here for. She's, you know, a lot of when I, when it. I had TikTok before, um, all it was showing me was like the, um, like the fitness videos, a, a so, lot of, a lot of booty videos no, <laughs> like, because then like, it integrated into your Google search yeah, history probably. and then all these <laughs> Ungodly well, like, was, like how to make tacos better. Like, so, so I took a look at it and she went blind. <laughs> She's uh, and mine is like uh, how to make tacos better. So like a bunch of videos are just like taco videos. And if you'd like to reach Carl, you can reach <laughs> him at Carl and J-Man Facebook, Instagram through Messenger. But as I mentioned before, we do have a topic today. And so we're going to get into that topic. Today, we're going to be talking about IHS. And I guess really the reason why we're going to talk about IHS is that because yesterday there was uh, a an occurrence that happened on our reservation and that had to do with the electricity going out. And so we did have grand plans to have a, a special episode, but the electricity going out derailed those plans. And so now we kind of had to throw uh, a Hail Mary or uh, throw, throw a, a, an option into our football playbook. And so now we got a special guest coming on to talk about IHS. And so that was kind of a, for once I was able <laughs> to allow you to decide the topic for the episode. This is a topic that you chose. And so why did you want to talk about IHS today? You know, I, I recently went to IHS uh, because when I got sick, I was in the emergency room and uh, IHS treated me like an IHS patient. Like, <laughs> like basically what <laughs> Like, you know, we'll get to you when we get to you. I know you're dying here, but, you know, we have other priorities right now. You know, that, you know, that kind of IHS patient. And I, I guess, you know, the funny thing about IHS, because we did talk about the IHS to a degree in a previous episode, I believe that we had one of my sisters on. Yeah. One, the, the first and the last time that we'll have any of my sisters on, but we had her on. And we were talking about the topic of health at that time. And so we briefly talked about the IHS system, but we didn't talk about it, uh, actually dedicating a full episode to it. But it's worth talking about because, you know, for most people, especially for most people living on the reservation, that the IHS, the Indian Health Service, yeah. is our yeah. primary health care system. And so a lot of us, especially out here on Hopi, we all go get seen at the Hopi Healthcare Center. Or for Hopis, well, a lot of Hopis, even though that they're living out here, that we're also still going to Tuba, to the Tuba City Regional Healthcare Corporation, and so that's another IHS facility that's visited. And then if you're your favorite group of people, the urban Hopis, that most of the time that they're going to the Phoenix IHS, which I've been to numerous times, and so you know I think a lot of us have had experiences to pump and- your stomach from alcohol and stuff <laughs> like that. Is that no, <laughs> but but the, those are the services, or at least the facilities that we go to. And you know, it's funny because then there there's there's stereotypes, right? There's stereotypes about IHS that we've all had experiences, like AJ. Although I've never had any joints come out of place or any bones coming out of place, but uh, for a lot of us folks, that we have some sort of. Uh, experience there and for the most part a lot of those experiences are long waits right long long waits at the ihs yeah i mean like you know 
the the stereotypical part about IHS is that yes, you do have to wait long weeks, especially in the emergency room. Sometimes,、mm-hmm. you know, your arm is bleeding and it's 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 basically laying on the floor. Or you got gunshots. Yeah, you got gunshot wounds and、Hope、then full of holes. And then they're basically making you fill out a paper saying what's your problem.、Uh-huh. You know, like you can't. Can't see my arm laying on the floor. That's well. You have to tell us, sir. What, what's your problem? <laughs> you know, and then you're busy at the the lady, the check-in lady, and they're saying like, you know, do you have healthcare? And I'm like, well, you know, if I had healthcare, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> and then you know, after that, then they'll say, okay, well, we're gonna put this on your wrist here. You know, the little band thing. Yeah. You know, and then you pick up your arm from the floor <laughs> and you hand it to the lady. It's like, okay, put it on this one here, just so you know that this is mine. <laughs> And then they make you wait. They make you wait outside, and your, you know, your arms like a dead fish, like still flapping around <laughs> on the on the floor. And then they finally call you in, and then you go to triage. And triage goes, and they say, "Okay, sir, we're gonna take your blood temperature. You're gonna or whatever your your blood thingy and stuff like that.、Yeah. And we're gonna te- check your temperature. And you know, they they have you stand on the weight scale first, and then they have you." All while you're all, holding your dead all, arm, yeah, all holding your you know your floppy fish arm, and base, and then they say, okay, well, sir, can you go and wait out, and we'll ha- we'll call you back, you know, and that's basically what IHS is, and then so when you get into the room, finally get into the room, they call you up, you know, and then they you go into waiting, you go into the room, and then you have this nurse, and they say that okay, what are your symptoms here, and you're like pointing to your arm, or you pick up your arm and you hand it to her, it's like this is this is my symptom. These are my symptoms here, and then it's like, okay, sir, we're gonna have a doctor see you here in a bit. Okay, sir, no need to be rude, sir. <laughs> we're just trying. We're just trying to help you out. And then so finally, doctor comes in, you know, checks your chart and says that okay,、uh, looks like you have mild、uh, symptoms here. <laughs> We'll go ahead and treat you and whatnot, and then they go and then, and, they, and then they prescribe you ibuprofen. And then they, then they prescribe you ibuprofen in the end. I mean, it's it's the IHS, it's the IHS part of waiting there. And then you you go out and you're you're feeling fine, but you're still holding your arm. And then you, you have know, to wait at pharmacy for wait an additional out, three hours. And then you're waiting outside with your your floppy fish arm. You know that they have not even you know touched or anything like that, and then and finally then they say that okay we're gonna prescribe you ibuprofen. You're gonna wait for about three hours. <laughs> so then you say okay, so let's go to McDonald's, <laughs> and then you go to McDonald's, and then you get you know unhealthy meals, and then you go back to the to the、uh, you know the the. What is the prescription thing or the pharmacy? pharmacy. And, and then you you ask them, and they're they're you know, have you been seen here before? You know, there's always that lady. Have you been seen here before? And I'm like, yeah, I am. You know, look at look at my arm. Look at look at my chart. At, It's at least ten chapters thick. <laughs> and then you you know you put you you show them the wristband thingy on there, and it's like, yeah, I've been shown, I've been seen here, and what? And so finally. They make you wait an additional hour or so, and they say, "Okay, well, do you need to talk to a pharmacist about taking ibuprofen?" I was like, "No, I don't." You know, it's like, "Okay, well, wait over here. Well, we're gonna have a pharmacist tell you how to take ibuprofen." <laughs> <laughs> and so you finally go home, and then you baby basically drink Wamapi at the end to see if you can get better. And then you're using your arm as a pillow because it never got <laughs> it never got healed. Reattached.、Yeah. <laughs> I mean,、What? no, no, no offense to IHS. I mean, that's basically what stereotypes. <laughs> and you know, I, I think it's difficult. Well, I mean, not really necessarily a difficult topic, but you know, like I know quite a bit of folks that do work within the IHS system, and I think through my background working for the University of Arizona through their College of Medicine, that I, I feel like I have an understanding. Of usually what what a lot of the the realities and kind of like the stereotypes are yeah, as yeah, far yeah, yeah. as IHS goes, but I mean I I would agree with you that I have had plenty of time, plenty of times where I have had to use IHS services and then you're waiting like half the day yeah for something and usually you're you're very sick because like men like we only go to the hospital if we're dying and so. You're literally dying in the waiting rooms, waiting forever to get seen. I think that one of the, and then sometimes you do come across these wacky situations to where you really think like, "Hey, I, I don't think that this is really how it's supposed to go." From your physician or whoever the 
healthcare professional is because I remember one time that uh, I was uh, there. There was this theory by one of the ER ER. I don't know if they were a doctor or a nurse or uh, maybe, maybe they were uh, what what is that one term called? But um, a physician's assistant, but it was in the ER because yeah. it seems like that's how all IHS visits start are in the ER. Yeah, yeah. And they were telling me, you know, we, we think that you might have uh, hyperthyroidism. Yeah. And then so, you know, they, they told me we're, we're going to schedule you an appointment, this and this and this. And then when I actually got time, because I guess in a, in, a, in the normal world, yeah. in, in the white man's yeah. world, yeah. that if they think that you have something like that, then they refer you out to the proper places and then, you know, then you get tested and this and this and this. But because I was at an IHS facility, facility for some reason, they couldn't refer me out. I don't know if it's because I didn't have the insurance to pay for it or I don't know if they just didn't have the connections or they just didn't know how to do it. But I remember the what the lady's suggestion was, you know, we can't do anything for you here. You might have this you might have this disease, but we can't do anything for you here. Yeah. And so what you're going to do is that you're going to go to Phoenix. Yeah. You're going to go to the IHS there and then you're going to tell them that you have this problem. Yeah. And maybe if you're lucky then they'll refer you out to the proper specialist. <laughs> and then so, you know, it was kind of like, well, you know, we can't do anything for you here, but, you know, you're going to throw a dart against the wall <laughs> and hopefully it sticks in the right place. And then, then you'll be taken care of. And so, you know, we kind of all have these experiences like this. And, you know, unfortunately, it does create this this negative aura around yeah, yeah. Indian health services. And then, you know, especially some of the other things that you hear about the lack of funding or the fact that, you know, when you think about like a, a graduating class of doctors or a graduating class of nurses or yeah. a graduating class of physicians, assistants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that when they are making their decisions before they want to do their internship. None of them, like the cream of the crop, none of them are picking IHS. No. Like, they're wanting to go to like Seattle Gray's Memorial Hospital down in Seattle, Washington, or they're wanting to go to the University of Utah or like these real cutting edge healthcare facilities. And so it's like the last place that they want to be is the IHS within the IHS system. And so unfortunately you do get kind of like the, the bottom of the barrel type people, no, no offense to those people, but you know, not necessarily getting the cream of the crop personnel within our facility. Yeah, exactly. You know, like a lot of the graduating doctors and nurses, they, they want to be part of that Grey's Anatomy kind of show, mm -hmm. you know, but then when they come out here, it's all like the Brown's Anatomy show out here. <laughs> So it's it's very very you know different on what on what they on, what, on what, what they, they see, see on TV here. on what they see on, on TV yeah. see TV and you know and because I think that probably a primary primary issue for IHS system this is just my guess and you know our special guest can correct me if I'm completely wrong on this but I feel like that two of the biggest issues when it comes to Indian health services is the funding is that, you know, they don't have enough money yeah. to bring in like the top tier people or to hire enough people, yeah. the right amount of people to do all the services. And then also to the other thing that I feel is that a lot of these IHS facilities are on the res, like the rural reservations, like our own people don't even want to move back here. And so let alone people that have medical degrees, people that have nursing degrees, people that have all these advanced healthcare degrees like are are they wanting to move back here because really what is there here for them because i've heard through the grapevine that like a lot of the doctors a lot of the nurses the pas and pts people that work like at hopi healthcare that work at tuba that they all live in flagstaff yeah that none of them actually live out here and so they commute back and forth and so i really don't know if that has to do with uh the lack of housing, although I feel like both facilities have housing, some sort of housing for th their personnel, but rather it's like, fuck that, I don't want to live out there. I'd rather stay, stay in Flagstaff. <laughs> exactly. So before we bring in our special guests, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for our paid sponsors. Are you 16 to 25 years old and living in Maricopa County? 
If you are, Native American Connections Tree Program provides free counseling, life skill development, housing navigation, and substance use treatment for 16 to 25 years old living in Maricopa County. Grow your roots with Tree. Gift cards are offered at every appointment, so call Tree today at 602-424-2060 or email them at youthtree at nativeconnections.org to sign up today. That's Y-O-U-T-H-T-R-E-E at nativeconnections.org. Native Community Capital is your trusted partner for home loans or financing your business. Visit us at nativecap.org or call us at 855-628-2272. Let's work together to rebuild tribal economies. Nurturing Indigenous Intelligence is a grassroots organization based on the Hopi Reservation. They work to alleviate the hardships in the community through acts of giving, from distributing school supplies, volunteering at various places, and working to expand their services. Follow them on Instagram at NurturingISquared and on Facebook at NISquaredTeam to find out more. And we're back. And we would like to welcome on for the second time our special guest, Mr. Joe Baca. And before Joe introduces himself real quick, just kind of a, a little tidbit to the listeners that, that Carl's intent was to rile Joe up just a little bit because he is uh, an IHS uh, worker, I believe. And so now he's here to defend IHS and uh, stuff me and Carl in the trash can. So <laughs> welcome back for the second time, Joe. Oh. Hey, Hi, Joe. Man. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Nice to, nice to be here. And so, Joe, uh, can you give us kind of like a, just a quick introduction? Because I know we've had you on before um, talking about something, I think, somewhat completely different. But if you can just give your introduction and then also to how you are involved within our health services on the reservation. All right. Well, my name is Joe Baca. I'm a healthcare social worker um, for the Community Counseling Center, which is a part of the uh, Tuba City Regional Healthcare Corporation. We're actually um, part of the um, Community Health Center. And, and this is going to get a little interesting because the, our Community Health Center is, is like a smaller version. We're our own little hospital, so to speak. But we're still a part of the uh, Tuba City Regional Healthcare Corporation. Uh, but we, um, since we have mobile medical and dental units that go out in our counseling center now, um, we're, we're still affiliated with the, with the Tuba City Regional Healthcare Corporation. So um, I work as a healthcare social worker slash counselor here. And I've been here for almost five years, I want to say, just just over four years, I believe. So um, um, it, it's interesting to be on this end of it. You know, I, I, like I said, Carl, Carl got me a little riled up there. <laughs> but I can also relate to some of the, um, you know, some of the things that go on. So, but, um, you know, it's good to be back. It's good to be here. It's good to see you guys again. Well, thank you. Thank hey, you. Thank you, Joe. And so you are immersed there in Tuba within the culture there at the hospital. And so, you know, I, I'm sure you've seen some things. I'm sure that you've heard some things that kind of relate to maybe outside of what your specific job is. But can you speak to some of the stereotypes, especially the ones that me and Carl have been talking about, especially things like the long wait times or inappropriate diagnoses or just constantly being given ibuprofen for every single ailment? And I'm sure, you know, you have personal experiences, especially yourself, being a father, being a husband, your own family too. And so can you share what, what some of these things we've been talking about, what, what the causes are for some of them and what some other stereotypes that you're here to help us debunk? <laughs> sure, sure. I'm glad you called the uh, myth buster here. <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, <laughs> like I said, I, you know, honestly, I can, I can relate to some of those, um, situations, some of the concerns, some of the uh, wait times, so to speak, and things like that. I think, you know, as, as individuals, we have to, you know, really be honest with ourselves. I mean, I've, I've fallen into both sides of the category. You know, there was times I was a little upset about waiting or felt like I should have been seen sooner or what have you. But, you know, when I really look at some of these things and, and, and um, some of the complaints from, you know, my own family members as well, our friends, you know, I'll, I'll you know, there's a you know, I'll ask them some questions on, on when they when they went. You know how this how this all came about and what it led to and why why it caused you to go to the ER at eight or nine in the in the in the evening rather than going during the day kind of thing. 
So I think, um, you know, we all develop these these stereotypes. Some of them are over-exaggerated. Some of them are, are grossly inaccurate. And some of them are accurate, you know, to, to be honest. And I think, um, you know, again, us as individuals, when we can put aside some of those things and be free thinkers, so to speak, and, and go in and, and, and see for ourselves and put ourselves in a better situation to receive these services. I mean, I, we get a lot of people that, you know, I also work in the screening station, which is at the front of the hospital, you know, where we greet people as they come in, we screen them, we ask them the series of questions in regards to COVID and to make sure, you know, they're not coming in sick with symptoms and we streamline them to the right area, to the red or the green area, so to speak. And um, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that come in, you know, my appointment's at, can you hurry this up? My appointment's at 10 o'clock and it's like 10.01. And I'm like, I still got to ask you the question, man. I can't send you, I can't just rush you in because you're late, because you chose to be late, because you didn't set your alarm or whatever the reason may be. You know, I think it's, you find that, um, you know, when you prepare yourselves, when you go into these situations, you know, like you would any other situation, if you go into an airport, you know, and you get there late, there's a good chance you're going to miss your flight or you're going to get a little attitude because you're given attitude. You're already upset in the fact that you're running late for whatever reason that may be. So I think, I think a lot of that um, is personal choice. I think a lot of that is, you know, we put ourselves in that situation, but at times we're a little too, maybe too proud or especially as men, you know, we're, ah, this don't hurt up. I'll be okay. And, you know, until we feel like we're dying almost. And then we're, we have to be carried into the ER by our spouses or family members when we, you know, when we could have gone during the day or when we should have taken the advice early on. It's, you know, when our spouses or family members say, you know, let me schedule an appointment. No, I'll be all right. No, I'm good, man. I, I don't, I don't need an appointment. Only wimps need an appointment. You know, those kind of things. I think when we really take a look at it and really dig through it, we, we realize that some of those situations are our own doing, you know, and then, but again, as, as a way to cope and deal with some of these things, it's easy to point the finger and say, well, it's registration's fault. It's, it's that guy, Joe Baca, at the front of the screen. He wouldn't let me in. He had to ask me all those damn questions. Or it's so-and-so. Or, you know, it's easy to point the finger because we're, maybe there's a little a sense of um, being a little shamed or being, you know, we don't want to be called out because we chose to come late or we chose to go out a certain time or, or even not even listen to, medical advice early on, you know, we think, ah, we're, we're tough. We can deal with that. So I think that's where some of the stereotypes come from. And I think you see it, you see it everywhere, you know, um, uh, different comedians, different people within the communities. But, and, and like I said, honestly, I've, I've, I've dealt with both ends. I've seen services where I felt they should have been faster. Why can't I be seen quicker? That kind of thing. And then when I did take a step back and, and actually own my own, um, responsibility or my own um, my own doing, you know, and go to my appointment, get there actually early, maybe 30 minutes, 15 minutes early and, and be prepared and, and have everything in order kind of thing. You know, I, I felt like services went fairly smooth. They went really smooth. And, and I think, you know, IHS isn't the only, only place you're going to get these services. I mean, you can go down to Banner and go into the ER and still experience some of these same issues, you know, um, um, longer wait times or, or you know, um, perhaps misdiagnoses at, at, at times or things like that, but you're going to experience that anywhere. I think it's, again, it's just easier. It seems to be part of the culture, easier to really, to really, um, crap on IHS, so to speak. Um, you know, because it's, it's just, it's just easier to blame somebody else, you know, but I think, you know, part of some of the reason for some of that is, is we are short staffed still. We're still, um, we're short staffed in some areas. Um, you know, funding is always an issue, but at the same time, our services are growing. We're looking at, there's plans for a new facility, a brand new facility, you know, a three-story, three-level inpatient facility for our elderly population. There's plans for a, a new hospital, so to speak, that are coming. So I think when we when we have the capacity in the room, then we can start bringing in people. We can start bringing in those who really want to um, dive into healthcare and that really want to come back and are compassionate about helping our people. You know, I can, I can relate to that in the sense where I came back because I know addiction, um, services for counseling are, are really needed. And, and that's something I'm passionate about. That's something I wanted to come back and provide services for our people because they're needed. But I can also see, you know, sometimes IHS facilities are used as a place for doctors or, or healthcare workers to help pay back some of their loans. You know, it's a stop on the way to somewhere else. Or, you know, there's, there's you know, it's maybe, maybe it's convenience. Maybe it's... Um, Hey, and a place to get more experience to get me into a more prestigious hospital, 
Seattle, uh, what do you call it, Great Seattle? <laughs> you know, something like that. I, I, I'm kind of assuming I, I could be wrong. Um, but I think, you know, for the most part, we've added a lot of services to our to our hospital. We have our oncology department. We have our community counseling center. We have our mobile medical and dental units. We've got our pediatrics. We have, you know, the ability to do surgeries. We have a level three trauma unit, which you don't see anywhere else. You know, people that come from other other small towns, Kanta, um, maybe, you know, around the res, you know, that need need that care for, you know, when it comes to trauma, they come here, they're flown here. And I think, you know, when we look at it from, from a different perspective and we, we we put off all the other stuff and, and think for ourselves and look at it differently like that. We, we offer a lot of services, you know, we, we do, you know, they're not always going to be the, the best services, so to speak. Again, you know, that's, I, I can't give you all the answer for why that may be. Um, again, I know it's short staffed. I know, um, you know, we're, we're, we're still developing and growing and building capacity um, not to make excuses for that. And it shouldn't happen, but you're going to have times where, you know, um, things fall through the cracks. Um, you know, people get referred out for whatever reason, and maybe it wasn't the reason they wanted. But I think some of that is, again, it's communication. Us as individuals and as patients, I think, and this is what I remind people that come in to see me. You know, if you're, if you have to go to mental health and get medicated, you know, I, I provide a little bit of education on why you should be open to the possibilities of medication and what you need to do as an individual or as a patient. Be honest. Be upfront. If you have any questions for your provider, ask them. Don't be afraid to ask them. No question is a wrong question. Write them down if you can't forget them or if you don't remember them. Or, you know, when, when we can be honest and open and upfront with our ailments, our symptoms, and things like that, then we get we get better services, more accurate services. When somebody comes in and says, oh, my foot hurts. Well, what happened to your foot? I don't know. It just hurts, man. Can you give me something for it? Yeah, you're probably going to get ibuprofen because you're in a little bit of pain and that's all you're willing to give, you know, for our own selfishness or our own machismo, macho-ness. Um, I think that's where some of that comes from. But I also, you know, I, I you know, if, if, if this, if I wasn't happy or didn't, I wasn't satisfied or didn't think IHS services, so to speak, were, were um, how would you say, uh, were good or were, you know, was, wasn't a place that I'm willing to go to, then, then I wouldn't be working here. You know, I, I, I support our services. I support what we do here. And I know there's, um, you know, a lot that we can do. I know there's still a lot of services that we offer that people are familiar with. So, you know, it falls on both ends. I think it's, it's individuals. It's being open-minded to these things, asking all the questions, being honest and upfront, getting to your appointment a little early rather than getting there five after and yelling at me at the screening station because for some reason it's my fault that you're late. And, um, you know, things like that, you know, things that we can all do. And even on our end, you know, on, on, on our end, being prepared to accept or to, to deal with patients and whatever it is they're, they're having and being, um, you know, putting aside everything else and being a little more compassionate towards people because, you know, people are hurting, people need help, people are struggling. And I think as providers, you know, we, we have to be able to put aside all our differences and say, you know what, I'm here to help and really be there to help. So, you know, it goes either way. It goes either way. I hope that sheds a little light on what you guys are talking about. That, that's such a great response, Joe, because, you know, I, I've never ever heard anybody talk about, you know, like as far as the patient's responsibility, like you said, you know, we're always putting the blame and it's always IHS fault for everything. But then, you know, like you're saying that it's up to people to show up on time for their appointments or being honest about what it is that's hurting them because in, in the previous episode where we did talk about IHS a little bit that I did mention that I did used to work at uh, the same hospital in Tuba for a couple of summers in the dietary. And I remember one of the things that was kind of really, um, I guess, prevalent as far as what some of the patterns was that I saw. I always noticed that when it came to having patients within the ACU or within the PEDS, basically the people that have to stay overnight for whatever it is that ails them. It was always mostly busy Monday through Friday. And then for some reason, there'd be a lot of discharges over the, over the weekend because nobody wants to be in the hospital over the weekend. And so then it comes, it, it gets to a point to where you're starting to think, are people like faking to be sick so that they could <laughs> stay in the hospital during, during the weekday so that they can the get off from whatever it is during the the weekdays that they have to do and then come Friday, you're like, okay, I'm better now. Now you can let me out of my hospital bed. And then that's why the weekends are always, it, you know, busier. it's, it's usually men that will probably do that. And I was like, my wife's cooking is so bad. 
<laughs> I want to go to the IHS to uh, go eat for about a week. But I have a uh, I have plans over the weekend. So with the boys, you, you got to let me out by Thursday or Friday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I that's basically, I, I'm no, pretty no, sure that's basically how it works. <laughs> But I mean, and, and I guess that, that's the unfortunate thing, too, because then also too the other thought that I hit, had in my head as you were talking, Joe, was that because, you know, as a worker and you don't know if I guess if whether what you're being told is actual factual information or it's just people guessing, you know, throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping it'll stick. But I used to hear often, too, as well, that a lot of families that were charged with taking care of their elderly that oftentimes they would bring them to the hospital just because they wanted a break for a few days, hoping that the hospital would take them in and put them into the ACU for, for a few days just so that they could be in there, even though something wasn't really wrong with them. And so, you know, that's kind of an unfortunate occurrence that we have out here on the reservation, elderly abuse. And then you tend to see it, hear it with our neighbors, the Navajos, too, because then, you know, you see all the, the old so'os, the old Shimasanis riding around in the back of a pickup truck and he, especially like on the highway and you're like god damn yeah. you put your soul back there and <laughs> so you definitely see things like yeah. that and so uh so joe do you have any other experiences or stories like that that you can share with us and so i believe that we lost our special guest for the time being must be that ihs internet that, that he's connected <laughs> you on you have to wait too they make you wait <laughs> they make you feel out of paper first and so while we wait for Joe to get back on the air that, you know, it, it's it's interesting that what some of his comments were, because then I could totally picture like a lot of people showing up five minutes after the fact, because then sometimes I have had experiences where you do have an appointment like at eight o'clock. But for some reason, you show up on time, you get checked in and then it's like 30 minutes later, you're finally getting seen like yeah. at 830 and you're yeah. kind of thinking like, well, what the hell is the point of Having scheduling an appointment, an appointment if, if I'm not going to get seen at that time because then, you know, you're scheduling other things throughout your day. And so that's kind of an interesting point from Joe's perspective as to, you know, what some of the reasons are is that, you know, it's our own fault sometimes that as, as to the treatment or the long wait times that we receive. You know, I mean, like uh, not to not to offend IHS, they're doing the best that they not can. Not to offend Joe. Not to offend Joe, too, because he's a bodybuilder and I don't want to get a headlock from him. <laughs> he, he looks like he can break you in half. <laughs> he looks like he can put me in his arms and uh, I'll be probably coddled first. <laughs> <laughs> and then body slam. <laughs> you know, but no, uh, not to offend like IHS or anything. I mean, you know, they're they are doing the best that they can with what limited resources that they have. And so, right, you know, can you hear me now? and so like, you know, it, it's like. It's it's so heartbreaking to see that we're not we're not doing something when we complain about it. You know, like we're not doing we're not doing the best that we can with it. It's it's like this this whole idea is like we can complain so much about IHS and nothing's going to get done because we're not helping along the way with yeah. it. And so like with, with IHS workers and IHS people there, you know, they're, they're the ones who are trying to make it work. Mm -hmm. They're like, mm -hmm. they're basically working with like, you know, um, like 1980s technology. They're trying to start a they're, fire with yeah, rubbing two sticks yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. And doing the best job that we can. Exactly. And we're bitching and complaining about how come the fire's not getting started any quicker. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's how IHS is. It's that they're very limited on resources. Sources. Or we're there making commentary, telling them what to do, even though we don't have the proper <laughs> professional background or yeah, exactly. knowledge. It's like, hey, you should use that syringe thingy on this thing here. And uh, you <laughs> no, know, no, no, I just need this kind of drug. I, I don't need what you're trying to prescribe for me. Yeah, exactly. And so it it, it has to be two parts of a whole, mm -hmm. you know, to make mm -hmm. things work. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, and that's how IHS is to me. Is that we're not. We're not contributing to that helping part of it. We just want to complain because it's IHS. Because it's IHS. And, you know, I, I guess as, as we were talking to kind of really talking about the negative stereotypes, but talking about the things that actually work, because then, you know, within my own family, um, they're, they're able, I, I forget what that, that insurance is called, but there's kind of like this free insurance that people get that don't Access. have insurance. Yeah. And then so it pays for certain types of 
services that you need or usually yeah. some type of yeah. surgery. And so, you know, I've had family members benefit from that type of service. And so, you know, getting things paid for that are normally like thousand, thousands of dollars worth of procedures and then, you know, <laughs> getting getting that special insurance to pay for it. And so especially, you know, if you have folks within the IHS system that are hard at work trying to figure out how are we going to get your services paid for? Because, and I guess that's, you know, kind of another stereotype. And I do believe we have Joe back. And so he can kind of speak yeah. to that a little bit is that, you know, because we all think that IHS is free, that, you know, it's a free service. We go in there with no money. We're going to get taken care of. But the reality of it is that all of the ibuprofen that we're prescribed, we're chucking down. all of the, the staff time, the hours that they get paid for, all of the services that we're given, that somebody somewhere has to pay for it. Yeah, that yeah. It, Technically, it really isn't free that somebody somewhere is, is paying for it. And I guess that's why when you go to IHS, they ask you if you have uh, insurance because then they'd rather have your insurance pay for the ibuprofen yeah. or pay for whatever else rather than the small little bit of change that they have in the IHS piggy bank. And so, but uh, Joe, can you speak to that a little bit about the insurance stuff and how all that works? <laughs> I, I can a little, I'm not sure how, all of that really works, but you know what? You did touch on a, on a good point. And I think I'll, you know, to provide a little perspective on that when we, you know, I think that's part of the, the problem attitude wise, maybe perspective wise, you know, we go into a place and, and we, we already know or assume that these services are free. And I think, you know, that just that, that there alone, you know, kind of dictates how we enter, what kind of maybe attitude we have towards some, because if we, you know, I, I look at it when our, our younger maybe siblings, teenagers, when we first get a car, or even us as individuals, when we first get a car, if it's a car that we're not paying for, or we didn't have to pay for it, then we're going to, you know, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times we're going to, um, um, you know, take that for granted. We're not going to take care of it as much as we could or should because, hey, I didn't pay for this. Oh, shoot, the tire's flat. Well, I didn't pay for it. You know, or something happened to the car. Well, I didn't pay for it. I'm just going to kind of let it go. You know, versus if we if we really work hard, save up, and, and actually go out and, and purchase our own vehicle for ourselves or for our family, you know, we tend to take a, we tend to take better care of it. We tend to do things ahead of schedule. We get our maintenance and oil done maybe a couple thousand miles before it's due, or you know, we're getting things checked that normally we wouldn't get checked with if we had a car that was just given to us. You know, I think that's a a good way to to represent or, or show how these services are looked at because they're, you know, people think they're free. And then, and just, you know, like you said, they, they have to be paid for somewhere. People that work here have to be paid somehow. And I believe that has to do with the, the federal government. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know all the details, so I don't want to, I don't want to inaccurately portray that or say something that I'm way off of and, and get pulled into an office later and say, Mr. Vaca, you were, you were really wrong. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> kind of thing. But I know that, um, again, you mentioned, you know, having access, you know, that's, that's something if you're, if you're on access that helps you, you know, receive some of the services, a lot of the services here that are provided. Um, I, I do want to mention that, um, you know, the oncology, the new oncology services that we provided, I had a, you know, family member that actually was diagnosed with cancer and, you know, the oncology services here, even in, in my own head, honestly, I was a little like, oh, man, these services are brand new. Do we have all the personnel in there that's going to take care of our family member? Which I think, you know, again, that I, I allowed, again, the key word here is I allowed just that part of it to kind of dictate my attitude towards, you know, towards, towards our own services here. But I was able to push that aside and say, you know what, let's you know, let's get our family member in, let's get them taken care of. And they came in and they, they took really good care of him. They took really good care of him. They got him treated. He's actually in, um, I'm not sure if it'd be remission just yet, but the, the, the cancer cells are gone. Uh, but they're, they're still going to do a surgery to remove the area where the tumor was kind of thing. But it was, um, it, it was really great. It was really a, a, a nice feeling knowing that our services, our hospital here in Tuba City, Arizona was able to do that, was able to provide the services and make the necessary referrals that they couldn't do here to Flagstaff. You know, but they did a lot of the treatment here. You know, the, I believe it was the, the radiation treatment was done here. Um, and, um, you know, it was just, it was just, it just made me proud. It made me be a proud to be a part of this healthcare system that we have. And, and knowing, you know, all the stereotypes and all the things that, 
you know, you hear from people, I think some of it is in good fun. Some of it is some people really take it to heart and maybe they've had bad experiences. Unfortunately, I think, um, again, it, it's, you know, how do we, how do we choose to come into these situations? Um, but I think, um, again, being prepared and doing your own education or, or looking into some of these things, doing your due diligence, calling over here. If you have questions, come and sit down with the, um, the uh, patient preferred care specialist or sitting down with our insurance people, those types of things, you know, ahead of time saying, Hey, what, what do I need? What can be in it? Those are all things that we can do on our own to alleviate some of these problems, some of these questions, some of these uh, inaccuracies, I think. And, and I, I know it's hard. You know, a lot of us, man, I don't want to, I don't want to go to the hospital. No, nobody wants to go to the hospital just to get a little education, so to speak. But I think that's, those are things that we can do. And if we can't, maybe somebody from the family can, be designated. Hey, go over there, find out for me, and come back and let me know what I can do to, to get better services or know what's possible. What am I going to have to do to prepare for this? Because that alleviates stress, and you don't want any stressors on top of any ailments that you already have because you're just going to make it worse. You know, doing again, going back to preparation, doing your own due diligence, educating yourself. You know, coming in or, or making a phone call to say, hey, what what do I need to do? You know, what is what does access even mean? What is insurance? Are your services really free? You know, we can answer all those. Well, well maybe not me. <laughs> I can't answer some of those insurance questions, but that, that's not my area. But I would gladly connect that person with somebody who could answer those questions and stand in line with them and make sure that they were connected first rather than saying, well, let me just connect you over to so-and-so. You know, that uh, typical, stereotypical IHS voice. And I always hear those things funny. And I remember... You know, being younger, you know, I'll share an experience and going to the dentist, going to the dental department. And I'm sitting there and, um, you know, it was an Navajo lady and she was attempting to open my mouth because they were going to, you know, I had a cavity at that time. They were going to fill my cavity and she was opening my mouth. And I think me being a stubborn little kid at the time, you know, I was opening my mouth just not enough. And she was like, open your mouth. And it, it, <laughs> it appeared like she put her foot up on the thing was trying to pry my mouth open. She probably wasn't, but it just, I'm starting to envision these things. And, you know, she's got that really thick um, IHS accent, so to speak. And she's like, open your mouth. You need to open your mouth. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then, like I said, it just looked like her foot was up here. And she's trying to pry my mouth open. And stubborn me, I'm sitting there like, uh, I, I didn't want to open her mouth. I was scared, man. I heard the drills. And I, you know, I was already having nightmares and, and, and having my own trauma there. And, you know, again, looking back on that, I, I know, you know, part of that was my own doing. Because I was being stubborn. I didn't want to open her mouth. I wasn't cooperating. I thought I was... You know, I thought I was going to die when they drilled into my tooth. But I think, you know, we, we tend to really um, internalize some of those things because in our minds at that young age, they're scary. You know, they're, they're, it's a horror story. You know, some people still can't, can't even listen to the drills. You know, they hear a drill in the dental department, they freak out. So I think, you know, some of those things aren't as bad as we make them. But um, it, it's funny that you bring up that dental story, Joe, because I think I've had similar dental nightmares as a child because, you know, and I, I guess, you know, that's kind of the thing. Uh, and another thing about IHS is that you have a lot of the employees that they come from some sort of native background. And, you know, so, and Carl and I have talked about this to long extent about, you know, kind of how our upbringing is a little bit tougher. And so you get these old, in my head, just like you're saying, I thought they were real old, mean Navajo ladies that were down at the dental in Tuba City. And so they're really yelling at you like like you're their nephew and, you know, <laughs> trying to pry your mouth open, just like you're saying, really getting after you because you weren't brushing your teeth or not taking good care of yourself. And then it's such a transition now because then, you know, when I think about those earlier years that primarily I did go to IHS all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But now that I'm a working professional, I actually have my own health insurance. And so I have been able to utilize my own health insurance for other types of health facilities outside of the IHS system. And one particular experience, I remember I went to Flagstaff for, for dental for a dental procedure and I was recommended that I get a root canal and they recommended me to this place and I went to this dental office and I swear to you that the lobby looked like a hotel lobby. Real nice furniture, real nice ambiance and then they take me in to go get my procedure done and so they put me in a real nice dental air dental area wherever the dental chair is yeah, like the walls yeah. have really nice paintings really nice colors and to my surprise 
when I sat in the chair, I noticed that the chair had uh, some massage functions. <laughs> and so I was able to get a little back massage while they were drilling into my teeth. And then they tilt me back. That's not all of it. When they tilt me back up in the ceiling, there was a TV what? mounted on the ceiling of the TV. And then they get the remote and they're like, what Netflix show would you like to watch God while dang. we work on your teeth? They're like, where the hell am I? Did I die and go to heaven? Because then, you know, you compare that experience to the IHS experience. And we've talked about this before, how unfortunately that a lot of our IHS facilities, like they're so outdated yeah. that it yeah. looks like you're being dragged into a torture chamber rather than being dragged into a, a doctor's office or into a dental office. And so, you know, I, I guess that, you know, as somebody that has their own health insurance utilized systems outside of IHS, that tends to be the experience. But because then when you realize that you have your own insurance yeah. being a quote unquote adult, that it's still expensive. And yeah. so sometimes you'd rather just opt to wake up at three in the morning and get in a 50 person line trying on the first of the <laughs> month to try to get the dentist on the res. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, like, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of accounts with those types of stories and there's been a lot of like, you know, there's just so many stories out there and it's, it's like never ending stories about IHS and the stereotypical part about it is that, you know, a lot of them are, are similar to one another. But yet then again, it's like, you know, because of the way that we act or because of the way that we're still acting. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, like, you know, be, uh, Joe, before we go, well, actually, I do have one more question oh, okay. before, before we move on from uh, to close the episode, but Joe, you did kind of uh, mention it a little bit. And I think as community members, we've seen the drastic changes that were made as a result of COVID to be able to go get seen because I believe that during the worst of COVID that some services were suspended, that you couldn't even get certain services. And you being somebody that was there on the front lines, you know, I don't know if it's violating a HIPAA rule, but I believe that you were the one that actually gave me one of my boosters. And so, you know, I did see you on the other side of the wall. But can you describe what that experience was like being there uh, at the hospital when COVID first flared up and what some of the more memorable things that you can recall from that time? Yeah, I can. It, it was, um, it was, uh, it was scary, you know, um, initially, like I said, I, I it, it was scary. It was something unheard of. It was unprecedented and it, um, it, it scared me. I almost quit my job because I don't want to be anywhere near the virus, you know, to make a long story short, I, I did come back. I took some time off early on because I had a cold and a cough when we initiated our code green and we had to set up that screening station. That was our task in our community health division. And um, then we started um, tasked with distribution, water, supplies, food, checking on people, those things. But early on, I didn't want to be here. You know, I broke down. I had a mental breakdown, uh, emotional breakdown. You know, I was upset. I was crying, upset, mad. I didn't I didn't want to be nowhere near this, this virus. In my mind, I thought, if I catch this virus, I'm going to die because that's all I kept hearing. You know, and I allowed that to influence you know, the way I looked at that. And I was afraid to take it home to my family. I didn't want to lose no family members. I didn't want to get them sick. I didn't want to die. So I had a really heart-to-heart -heart talk with my supervisor at the time. She really encouraged me, reminded me of why I got into community health. And it was funny because initially she said, this is what we went to school for. These, these are the things we prepared for. And I was like, oh, hell no. This is not what I would do. I didn't go to school for a damn pandemic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with her with her patients and all, she, she talked to me, encouraged me. I went home. You know, she said, take a few days off. We're going to isolate you or put you in quarantine because you have a cough already. And I was fine, you know, from that. But my, my fiance really reminded me the same thing. This is what you wanted to do. You wanted to help people. This is community health. This is this is what you went to school for, community health. You wanted to help people. So, you know, I think you need to go back to work. And I was like, I don't want to go back to work. <laughs> but she gave me time to really think and reflect and reminded me of my strengths and weaknesses, uplifted me, encouraged me, and reminded me not only are you doing this for the community, but that you're doing this for our family. You know, we need you. We need you to be out there. We need you to help. We need people like you. Need We need you on the front lines, as scary as it may be. I know you'll be careful. You'll be fine. Just So all of that was, you know, was um, encouraging. It was a big eye-opener. But, you know, obviously I came back and, you know, being part of all of that, it was something else. It was very rewarding in a different type of way, helping our community, seeing family members sick, seeing people lose someone, talking to people, you know, giving them some some um, assurances and, and, and um 
you know, helping them along the way, helping people feed because helping them feed themselves because they couldn't do it, you know, getting water, things like that. So it was, it was something else. It was something else. It was really rewarding in a lot of ways. You know, before we go, you know, thank you for that. I mean, thank you for all the stories and stuff like that. So, but before we go, uh, is there anything, a quick, uh, you know, this, or some sort of like words of encouragement? I mean, like for, for people that are going to IHS or maybe, you know, experiencing IHS for the first time that they're, you know, because they, they ran out of insurance and access is pretty much all they know now. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, what is something that you want to say to everybody out there? I would say, you know, be be mindful, be open-minded, come prepared, come earlier than your appointment, and and just know that we're we're working just as hard here to make sure you receive the the services and the healthcare that you deserve. Um, and and again, you know, I think it would just be again being open-minded. Don't go in there, you know, assuming certain things. You know, be patient. You know, you'll get the services that you need. It's just. Um, I think we have to have a little attitude change. We have to forget about all the stereotypical things that we hear and, um, you know, think for ourselves and, and, you know, come in and just be prepared, so to speak, really. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joe, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And, you know, I I felt like that, you know, Joe kind of gave us a lot of good insight as to, you know, why the stereotype has been built up the way that it is, because, you know, you shared your story about, carrying your arm to the ER at the very beginning, <laughs> but to Joe's point, you know, in reality, exaggerated story, you probably just had a little scrape on your elbow. And, you know, <laughs> that, that tends to be the real story that the quote unquote real story that you're actually sharing with people and, you know, kind of putting IHS in a, in a worse light than it actually is. But I, I guess I, I did want to share though, before we go that, you know, I, I want to thank Joe and, you know, it, being you that, you know, because we've done so many episodes already so far that in plus, you know, our knowledge of people who are actually knowledgeable about some of the topics that we want to talk about is dwindling thin. And so, you know, if you're out there and, you know, you're, you have experience on Hopi or within Hopi and you feel like that there's something that you could share and you'd like to be a special guest on our podcast, please uh, send us a message either through Instagram Facebook or to our email, which I believe is cjpodcast85 at gmail.com because I am running out of people that I know that know something. And so I know that your knowledge of people that know things is very limited as well. And so, you know, we do need these special guests to be able to help us to carry these stories because as we've demonstrated many times that when we try to talk about things that we know nothing about <laughs> Carl and hunting that it tends to be kind of a difficult conversation <laughs> to have, you know, um, besides the hunting story, I, I am a very great hunter just because there's a girl in the room right now. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, besides that point, besides, besides everything like that, you know, I, I hope that I didn't offend anybody from the IHS, uh, that is listening to this, to this podcast here. And if it, you have, Hit me up. I know where Carl lives. (laughs) It was just to kind of uh, give you guys an inside look of like, you know, um, you know, because I, I still want to use utilize their services. <laughs> so if they if I go in and they say see the Carl's like put them in the back room, <laughs> they're gonna keep they're gonna keep me for like four like, hours. We just like have a, you under observation. <laughs> So, uh, what was that proctology? <laughs> you point the finger in your butt. They, they make you strip down and wear one of those <laughs> gowns, and you're just back there. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want to offend uh, you know because I still utilize a IHS because it's, I mean, it's it's very easy to access. It's mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. easy to just go down there and to do and what, it's what you, we know. Yeah, it's it, what it's, we know. It's what we know. All right. So if you guys got this far in the in the podcast, I mean, I, I congratulate you guys because yeah, it's it's a very long episode. So if you guys want to donate something to uh, to us, go to CJ Podcast uh, slash. Um what, what, what am I saying? Go to anchor.fm slash CJ podcast 85 to donate something. Uh, it's a dollar 99 or four 99. I mean, you pick your poison there and you can become part of our 30 pack sponsorship. Or if you guys want to just donate $1 more, go to buymeacoffee.com slash CJ podcast. 
Mm-hmm. And if you're not following us on our social medias, and a lot of you probably aren't following us on TikTok, we are on TikTok now, and you can find us at Carl and J-Man on TikTok, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But specifically, I believe through TikTok that you're going to be able to get a behind-the-scene glimpse of what it's like to be in the studio with us while we record. I'm sure that at some point we're going to be required to do some sort of dance because I guess that's what the craze is on TikTok (laughs) or, you know, we're going to sell our souls to get more listeners, to get more traction through our social medias. But, uh, and then also too, that we plan to revamp our YouTube soon. And so please subscribe to our YouTube. And also, I'm sorry, don't forget to uh, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening to this on that platform. And then also don't forget to re-listen to us on Spotify if you haven't already listened to us on Spotify. Spotify is a sponsor of the podcast. Exactly. And you know, we do get some stuff from it. So... Well, all right. Well, thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man's Save the World podcast. My name is Carl, and this is my best friend, J-Man. So long, quack, quack. <laughs>